Want to learn how to see and share Jesus from all the scripture? Learn with us at the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. I'm Josh Redberg. I'm filling in for our regular host, Nate Aiken. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to invite you to join us for our Christ Centered and Clear conference this Saturday. October 21st in St. Paul, Minnesota, we'll focus on how to see and share Jesus from the book of Hebrews. Today on the podcast, we're going to continue to work our way through Hebrews, focusing on the first four verses of chapter two. So joining me on the podcast are two of our conference speakers for this weekend, uh, John Aiken. He's a regular here. You know him if you listen to the podcast. And for the first time, Jared Compton. Uh, Jared is an assistant professor of Greek and New Testament at Bethlehem College and Seminary in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Jared, it's good to have you on the podcast. We're excited to have you at the conference with us this weekend. Yeah, thanks so much. And just uh, for your listeners' sake, I got promoted in August. So I am now associate professor, and my title's a little bit different. I'm associate professor of New Testament and biblical theology. So if maybe your listeners' eyes glazed over when you said Greek, uh, maybe that title (laughs) serves them a little bit better. So everything's totally changed totally, with that new title. Is what totally you're changed. <laughs> well, good. Well, I'll get it right next yeah, time. Yeah, thank Congratulations. You. Thank you so much. Before we dive in to our discussion, let me just read these four verses from Hebrews 2. It says, For this reason we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard, so that we will not drift away. For if the message spoken through angels was legally binding and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment, How will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This salvation had its beginning when it was spoken of by the Lord, and it was confirmed to us by those who heard him. At the same time, God also testified by signs and wonders, various miracles and distributions of gifts from the Holy Spirit, according to his will. So, John, this chapter opens with the words, for this reason. What's the author, what's he referring to when he says, for this reason? Well, all the revelation about Jesus in chapter 1 um, how he's superior to the angels, um, you know, how he's the climax of God's uh, revelation. And uh, and so because of that, we're seeing here, again, we've talked about this in the intro, but he's he's appealing to these readers to, to not forsake the faith um, based on how much better Jesus is and everything that's come before. Yeah. Yeah, so this is the first, really, of these warnings. There are much more extensive warning passages that we're very familiar with later in the book of Hebrews that we'll get to. But Jared, why, why do you think he's warning them already this early about like just his concerns for their spiritual future? What, what's, what's his overarching concern? Yeah, it's an interesting uh, argument that he makes, isn't it? So exposition and then punctuated with exhortation, then he goes back to exposition and then Mm -hmm. exhortation. And in many ways, um, it approximates kind of modern preaching where you you make a point and before you move on to main point two or three, you kind of pause and you make sure, all right, you guys hearing, here's the implications of the uh, truth that, that I've just preached to you. So some of this feels just like pastoral wisdom to me yeah. of pausing and making sure his audience is uh, paying attention. And then, of course, I mean, you could... You know, one of the other things I'd say just kind of briefly is the warnings do um, relate to one another, but each of them kind of 
fits the exposition that it's adjoined to. So in this one, we've got that contrast between words spoken and given through angels, and now the words spoken given by the Son. So it's uh, it's an exhortation that kind of nicely relates to that sermon that he just preached in one chapter one. So, Jared, since you're the first time on here, we could ask you this question. Who is the pastor that's giving this uh, sermon? I wondered how long it would take before that was like, a, you know, I don't know. It's interesting, uh, John, that here in 2, 1 to 4, if I'm going to make an argument about authorship, I go to 2, 1 to 4 to suggest it's, I know it can't be one person who the early church uh, some of them thought it was, and that's the Apostle Paul, since the indication in 2, 1 to 4 is that they are second-generation Christians, having heard the good news from those who were eyewitnesses to Jesus, which seems to be kind of incongruous with how Paul describes himself in Galatians 1 and 2. So, I mean, it's not super helpful, but it's we could say, who's the author? Well, it's not Paul. Uh, beyond that, boy, isn't that tough? Uh, what do you, I mean, do you, John, do you know? No, no, I don't know. I, and I, I told the guys, I have no clever answer really to that. Um, uh, you know, somebody mentioned the word Apollos Creed. And so uh, I like Apollos, I guess, as good as any. That is yeah. a great point you make though, about these verses, particularly how they speak to that. Yeah. So the warning here is to not drift away, which is a, it's a nautical metaphor. And so what I, I want to do is push into that just pastorally for mm-hmm. uh, a few minutes. Like he doesn't necessarily right here talk about what all might cause them to drift away. But I think as a pastor preaching to his people, that might be some of exegeting sort of our own circumstance, our own culture. So if you were to be preaching this on a Sunday to the people in your church, what are some dangers that you might raise, some current dangers that you think your people that could cause them to drift away? How might you pastorally apply some of this warning to your people? Mm-hmm. I I would probably just um, go to maybe the parable of the soils and talk mm-hmm. about uh, the cares of life, um, the the desire for riches, you know, like that, that kind of thing. And then, and then flesh out, what does that look like? So it, it could look like, um, and I, you know, I know there's a lot of guys who, who want to wail on, uh, competitive sports and stuff like that. Like, I, I don't, I would be real cautious about like, just using that like a pinata, but I, I would just talk about what are the things that cares of life that could be choking you out. I, mean, I like the drift metaphor is fantastic because it's mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. typically, it's not a, a, a decision that you make is like, Hey, I'm walking away from the faith. It, it, it Mm -hmm. happens slowly and progressively over time because of sports, because of activities, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of, you know, advancing in your career, whatever, like all of a sudden you look back and you're like, man, I am, I'm way away from where I was. Um, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't like one major decision. It was a thousand tiny decisions. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so so that's what I would probably, uh, go after is just use something like what Jesus and, and that metaphor of like it choking, mm-hmm. choking out the word and, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder too, just letting your people know, God, isn't it interesting that you can drift away from something you've heard? 
though you're, you're not consciously saying like john said oh i'm kind of abandoning this kind of forthrightly i'm going to deconstruct but there's a drift that can happen that almost gives the impression you you won't know how far you've gone away until you look and you see the distance yeah uh, and it reminds me hebrews will go on to say man be so careful uh, that an evil heart of unbelief doesn't lead you to pull away from Jesus. So like watch out literally every day. So kind of encourage your people this drift. You don't want it to start. You want you don't want it to go two or three days. It's something we got to pay attention to. Man, every day. See to it as long as it's called today that none of you has an evil heart of unbelief. Hmm. Yeah. Well it's interesting how it's tied to paying attention, right? It's so like I said, it's not this deliberate move as much as it is a I give my attention to something else, mm. and all of a sudden I look back. Like we've all been, if you've been to a beach, we've all done that where you're playing in the waves, and all of a sudden you look back and you're like, where's, where's our chair and umbrella? And it's, you know, 60 or 80 feet one direction. Mm -hmm. You didn't say, like, I'm going that way. You just sort of weren't paying attention to where you were, that a lot of this drift can come from indifference mm. um, or just distraction. I think it's interesting in verse one that the writer includes himself in this danger. Do you see that he says that we will not drift away in that this is could be a good model for pastors. How would you encourage pastors to practice this same type of sort of humble honesty in in when they preach, when they talk to their congregation? Mm. I, I think the using the first person plural does help. It, not mm -hmm. not a you, it's it's a we type thing. And so I, I think, like you said, he's modeling that. I think, you know, and, and I've had preaching professors who, who would, who would kind of go one way or the other. And they're like, you, you don't be afraid to say you, and I'm not, I'm not saying you should be afraid at some time to, to like really uh, very clearly warn your people and that kind of thing. But I do think it's helpful to recognize, especially in a Baptist context, we recognize that we're not just shepherds, we're also sheep. And yeah. so we are, we are part of this and, and it's a danger yeah. for us just like anybody else. So I, I think using the first person plural is very helpful to just say, um, you know, whether it's warning about sin, like we need to be careful about this, or if it's pointing them to something positive, we are going to advance this mission. We're, we're going to do this. I like just including yourself in it, I think is helpful. Yeah. In recognizing the author will go on in other places and say, you guys, you're being so spiritually lazy in chapter five so he's not averse to pointing his finger like spurgeon always nicely does and say you you guys mm -hmm. but there is such a pastoral wisdom and like you say an attention to his own proclivities a humility that says we i think that movement back and forth is probably pastors we need to pay attention to both we yeah. and also okay this is a word of the lord i, I you know as a father to spiritual children even let me call you to something. Yeah, it's probably a good gauge, too, for pastors. If you never say we, maybe hmm. there's this sort of arrogance preaching at people. If you never say you, maybe there's some fear. Maybe there's some fear of man that might be might be imp impacting your preaching. So, so a good combination of both, I think, is, mm -hmm. is pastorally helpful. An another thing that I love in verse 1, I know before we move on, is, and, you know, I, I, Keller kind of made this popular, like the, the whole uh, preaching the gospel to believers. Like he says, pay attention to what we have heard. Like the solution mm -hmm. is 
go back to the gospel. Um, mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. I think that's something that we also want to keep in front of our people all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So Jared, in verses two and three, it seems the author's making this argument from the lesser to the greater. Could you explain what he's doing in those verses, the sort of the argument he's making here? Absolutely. So he's presented this new word through the sun in chapter one, and he is holding that up as God's new and better word, which is an interesting idea to think of God having a new and better word. How can God's word be new and better? And the way that it's new and better is it's the fulfillment. It's better in the sense that it fulfills a promise. So a promise is good, but a fulfillment of a promise is even better. And so he talks about the fact that, look, you guys received the revelation, the anticipatory, shadowy revelation given to you on Mount Sinai, here, interestingly enough, through the agency of angels. Mm -hmm. You need to pay attention to that. That was. revelation for which you were responsible and which came with punishments if you disobeyed, how much more than this new and better word given us through the Son, this this word of fulfillment. So to the extent that the audience would have said, yeah, you are right. And I think they would. They, they, they knew and, and gave um, so much credence to God's word given in the former testament, the old covenant, that for him to now say, if you gave this that level of attention, how much more this new yeah. word through the sun? Um, it, it's a effective argument. I think it's interesting too that he doesn't say because, like in the prologue, he's saying uh, many times and in many ways God revealed Himself through the prophets, but now He has spoken to the Son. But here it's not prophets have spoken; it's angels which we can, we'll have a chance to talk about, I suspect, on future podcasts, just the, why is he paying so much attention to angels when we pay so little attention to them? (laughs) And here, at least, the answer has got to be, they were associated with, in Jewish tradition, with the giving of the law in Sinai. Yeah. Yeah, John, I was going to ask you, that's, I assume, where you would go in unpacking this, is like when you're thinking about the Old Testament roots of this this sort of argument of delivering the law through the angels, how would you explain that? What passages or passage would you go to um, in sort of in further explaining that to your people? Well, I I would probably stick in the New Testament, honestly, because it's is Galatians three is where Paul says uh, he also says this that you know it was mm-hmm. given by angels. Um, and so, wait, John, did you just rope a dope me? I that the first time ever on this podcast, I said, "What Old Testament passage would John, Old Testament scholar, go to?" And he says, "No, I'd go to a New Testament." Yes, I, I think I'm, that's a first. I I I feel like a failure, uh, <laughs> but it's the first one that came to mind um, because I think, like Jared said, it's it's part of tradition. I don't there's there's not anything to my mind in Exodus that that is explicit about uh, angels, um, you know, delivering the tablets to Moses or something, something like that. So, so I think that that is where I would, that is where I would go. And I, and I think obviously he's going to flesh this out, how the new covenant is superior to the old covenant. And he's, he's laying the groundwork for that even here. Um, and and so, yeah, that's where I, that's where I would go. Sorry. No, it's okay. It just, just totally shocked me that you said, no, I'd go to the new Testament and said, I think, 
Really, that's the first time I've ever heard that phrase from you. Every time I've ever left a church, uh, the new pastor comes in and says, hey, we're going to be spending some time in a part of the Bible you may not have heard of called the New Testament. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, so Jared, in verses three to four, the, the author then, he points to these sort of three groups or three categories of witnesses that, that verify the truth of the gospel. Why does he do that? Why is that significant that he points out these different these different sort of testimonies? Mm-hmm. Um, part of it has got to be that they were connected in a real tangible way to the eyewitness testimony. So you could draw a line from their leaders that we hear about in chapter 13 all the way back to Jesus, suggesting mm-hmm. something of the truthfulness and authenticity of the message they had heard, uh, which of course then gets coupled with um, not only were eyewitnesses and this message you heard connected sort of all the way back to Jesus, but then we've got this idea of you had miraculous attestation of the message. So in a way, it seems like he's saying, you've got every reason to keep believing this word you've heard. It's eyewitness and Holy Spirit corroborated kind of like, guys, what, what's going on? I mean, hold on to this thing. It's better. Don't doubt it. It's got uh, cred. Uh, it's connected to the eyewitnesses. Holy Spirit did something or didn't he do it? That's kind of how Paul says in Galatians 3. Remember, he's like, how did you receive the uh, promises? Was it by works of the yeah. law? Uh, no, you remember the Spirit kind of did some awesome stuff when you first became a Christian. So uh, he's pointing to stuff that should be sufficient to get them to stop kind of vacillating. I kind of like to think, you know, don't stop believing. If we can, you know, that's our outro song right there. Yes. Don't stop believing. <laughs> so, John, how would you, if you're just going to summarize these four verses, the sort of overall point of this, maybe you're in the sermon, you're coming to the conclusion, mm. you're tying it all together. Like, how would you summarize what he's doing here, sort of, and where he's going to then go from here? into the rest of the book. Yeah, I think it's just, um, I would, I would do, uh, indicative imperative kind of thing and just say, man, look, look at all of these things Mm. that God has done for us in Christ. So therefore, how can you drift away from this? Like, how how can you, how can you not pay close attention to it? How, you know, that, 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 that would be how I would do it. So it would be, I would, I would definitely make the appeal that this this to think about drifting away is insane it's insanity mm, yeah if these things are true and they are and so and so that's how that's how i would set up my conclusion is just try to just it, it's it's one of those things like um what he's doing like for, for instance when i try to teach evangelism to people um one of the challenges is it's like i can give you I, you know, I used to work at the North American Mission Board. I can give you 15 different programs of how to share the gospel, right? I can get, I, we can do Romans Road. We can do the bridge. We can do three circles. We can do, you know, EE, whatever, like all of it's good stuff, whatever. It, the problem is, though, until you like just are in love with Jesus and want to talk about him, mm-hmm. all the all the methods are going to mean nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's what yeah. he's getting at here is like until if you really understand what G, who Jesus is, what he's done. Um, just how beautiful and glorious the gospel is, 
then you can't even think about drifting away. And that, so that would be, I would just try to paint this, this incredible picture of, of all of these different things that he's, that he's maybe going back to Pentecost and all these different things that are, that are happening and just say, man, how can you walk away from this? Mm. Yeah. Well, my final question, I want you both to answer as we wrap up, you're sort of led into it, John, but how would you apply this thinking both of Christians and non-Christians that might be in attendance just how would you apply this passage specifically um, in a in a in a sermon? Yeah, I I liked what John was saying. Um, I I think you want to give your audience this idea that drifting away doesn't make any sense. Um, God has so clearly and demonstrably proven that Jesus is the long expected Messiah. He um, attested it through eyewitness testimony, through works of the Spirit. So just helping our our people see this claim that their Bibles is making is something that they would be foolish to let go of. And so uh, holding it out as, as that clear, clear, good word from the Lord and just urging them, don't drift away. Keep paying attention. Keep on believing. And I, I again, I like what John said, the things which you've heard, so you're reiterating the good news over and over and over again, and you're making sure to underscore uh, its clear, God-given authenticity. And then for unbelievers, uh, just calling them, t- telling them about the goodness of Jesus. He, he is yeah. the proof of God's truthfulness, just as God promised he would send someone to undo the evils and wrongs of this world he did. It's a story that you've got to get an unbeliever to enter into whose characters are Jews and Gentiles and Messiahs, and it can feel super foreign. But letting unbelievers just know there's a big story out there that God promised that he had undo something really bad, and Jesus is that. And just encouraging them, you know, the world's not the way it should is isn't the way it should be, and there's an answer for that. That's Jesus, yeah. and so kind of pressing into that. Um, Hebrews can make it tough, make it tough because Hebrews is in a verbal register that's sort of out outside the normal way an unbeliever's thinking with sacrifices and Holy Spirit here and all kinds of other things. So doing our best to show them just the simplicity of God's story. That's good. John, final word? Yeah, the only thing I would add, and there's just, again, all that, uh, I love it. And and just based on that, I would probably give some very practical, just, hey, using the drifting I- imagery, this is why you should read your Bible every day. This is why you should pray every day. This is why you should gather with the body weekly. He's going he's gonna to mention that, obviously, later. But, like, there's a reason why you need to sing gospel songs every week. You need to mm. read gospel words in the scriptures you need to gather with gospel people you need to see ordinances like like see the gospel um participate like so there's a reason why these rhythms are put in uh because it does help prevent us from drifting and so you need to take full advantage of them that's great well thank you for listening to the christ-centered and clear podcast john and jared will join me again next week as we continue working our way through chapter two We'll see how God's plan for his people is far better than anything we can imagine. Join us next time.
Thank you for listening to the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions, topics, or texts that you'd like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at podcast at ChristCenteredAndClear.com. And please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources that will help you see and share Jesus from all of Scripture. Scripture.